Hello and welcome to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Jack Chapel. Today we'll be talking about the new You Make the Card, playing Blue White Control in Vintage, and Serious Food and Drink discusses Trattoria Roma and Gin. Yeah, so Josh Chappell came back. You know, he's been gone for a while, and I guess he was out, like, convincing Wizards to do You Make the Card number four, right, Josh? Yeah, uh, as soon as they signed on board, I figured I could come back on the podcast, and I, I could finally shave and take a shower, so. Oh, yeah. That's probably why they agreed to it. You were yeah. just uh, gassing them out. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I think the, the You Make the Card project, if, if any of you are unfamiliar with this, this is where Wizards puts up a series of votes that readers of the Daily Magic the Gathering site can use, and little by little they have a crowdsourced magic card created for them. The previous times that they've done this have resulted in, I would say, one success, that being Crucible of Worlds and a couple of other cards. (laughs) A couple of not successes. Not (laughs) quite. I mean, they're okay, right? And they're actual cards. I guess I'm pretty... I'm not very optimistic that the card that they make is going to be even close to Crucible of Worlds. Yeah, I think that's what we're shooting for here. Something Crucible of Worlds level playability, I think that's pretty tall order. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree. agree. I think that this is the big opportunity to do something cool and unique. I mean, that's what Crucible of Worlds was, and that's why it's cool. It's because it was really cool, unique, nothing else at that time, did what Crucible of Worlds did. When right. we talk about something like Forgotten Ancient, sweet, we're putting plus one, plus one counters on a creature. When we talk about Vanish into Memory, we're drawing, drawing cards, cards at the expense of taking a creature out of play for a while. Right. So, it's that sort of... That's the strength of You Make the Card, is when everyone can submit <laughs> ideas, you could get something really amazingly cool. But at the same time... That's not necessarily always... I mean, Crucible of Worlds happen to be vintage applicable, but cool and unique doesn't necessarily mean vintage playable. Right. A lot of times it just means expensive. <laughs> that is certainly true. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't see any reason that Creature isn't going to win. I, it, I, I think that's probably true. I don't know. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of things that I would like to see win, and, you know, everyone has their own favorite card type and has their own pet deck that they'd like to fill a slot in, but yeah, creature seems reasonable. I mean, everyone likes having a, an extra body on the table. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that I'm wrong a lot, so I figure that if I just <laughs> say that it's guaranteed to be creature, then like we'll get something cooler. This this yeah. could be this could be our chance to get the game breaking phallid that brings them back to the tribe. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally voted for land. I know a lot of people don't like that, but I mean, lands are sweet. I voted for land. I've yeah. voted for land multiple times on multiple computers. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get your DCI number banned. Yeah, that's fine. I don't use it. I play vintage. Yeah. You're, you're Anthony Michaels? <laughs> I was actually expecting to be able to see the results after I voted. I don't vote on the their polls very often. So I was sort of surprised and disappointed when I didn't get instant gratification, <laughs> but it totally makes sense why they wouldn't show that. So, so, well, so where do they go from here? So they vote on card type, and then it, it's like it's a series of votes, right? Yeah, they can, I mean, they'll, I think they'll probably figure it out from, they can sort of do what they want. I mean, they can 
depending on what gets voted in, they might vote on casting costs next, they might vote on color next, they might... Well, I, I uh, remember that there was a point in the previous ones where it wasn't just a vote, because, I mean, they sort of solicited people to yeah. send in ideas. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, so the, the next section might be a write-in write-in portion. Right. So. And then the, they pare down those ideas, and they're right. like, okay, so these are the cool ideas that we got, so everyone vote and, and right. decide. Yeah, I hope Artifact to. wins, and then the next poll is like, what is the Artifact's creature type going to be? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> like, what is the Artifact's color? <laughs> no! <laughs> Uh, yeah, they can, I mean, really, they can still do whatever they want. I really don't even think that the uh, the voting matters all that much. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> bottom line, it's a cool idea. You know, you get, yeah. you get people interested, and even if they do or don't actually have a say, they feel like they do, so. Right. When did they last do this? Because I totally missed the you-make-the-card process for Vanish from Memory. Yeah, I think that was the last one. And when, and when was it? So, Cold Snap? This is when it came out. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a while ago. I, yeah, it's something they they haven't done very often. Like, and obviously, it's a pretty good marketing tool for them because they get to have this continuing thing where they have people come to their website and look at stuff. So, and it obviously it's been good for generating buzz on lots of different sites. So, I mean, it's it's sort of exciting. It's always <laughs> I never really feel like my vote matters. Go ahead, <laughs> throw your vote away. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but whatever. It's like it's still kind of cool to see what comes out of it. And, yeah, you know, I always hope to get certain things to win, but you know, it doesn't matter. More than seeing your personal effect on things, is just right. seeing the effect that crowdsourcing has it on it in general. Right. You get to see what the magic, um, <laughs> the magic community at large is sort of feeling. I guess. Right. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I know it, I've seen some some pretty interesting uh, interesting ideas come up in different places. And, you know, but we'll see what happens. It could be could be interesting. So thanks, Josh Chapel, for convincing them to bring this up again. Yeah, anytime. I mean, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. I can't even imagine what I'm going to accomplish with my next sabbatical. Unban Shahrazad. Oh, please don't. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't unban Jaharazad and don't unban Chaos Orb. <laughs> Falling Star though? That's okay. No, no, that's no. just dumb. This is too damage. I know. Exactly. That's why it's still dumb. So moving on, we've been, uh, a lot of us have been, well, I guess, Jeff, you have been too, right? Have we all been playing blue-white control or experimenting with it for a while? Yes, we have. I recently made the switch. I haven't brought it to any tournaments yet, but I cut black out of blue-white-black landstill and was playing straight blue-white. Yeah. I think it's an interesting combination. I think there's a lot of different ways to go. There's a very good base of control cards that work together, and then... Like, the last 12 or 16 cards that you put in really make a big difference. We were sort of talking about this, because you have the possibility of playing Blue-White Bomberman, which obviously your your last few cards are Ariok Salvagers and Trinket Mages and the Trinket Mage Package. You can win either with Controlling Beats or the Ariok Salvagers Black Lotus combo for infinite mana. 
And then there's like a Stoneforge package where you'd use Stoneforge Mystic and Batter Skull as a, as a finisher. You can play Landstill with blue-white and use Swords to Plowshares in place of Lightning Bolts. And then uh, recently I've been toying around with Restoration Angels and Snapcaster Mages, which has also been pretty effective. So it's... Well, I think one of the definite benefits of, like, you know, the, the Restoration Angels, Snapcaster Mages, Vendillion Click, Avon Mind Sensor, is, you know, like, all your cards have Flash, so all your cards are instants yeah. for the yeah. most part. Every, every and, like, day. I guess one of the, the big ways to get ahead is you want to make every single play with the most amount of information available to you. So yeah. playing things at your opponent's end step allows you to do that. Yeah, it's, they, they've been really good. And actually, the the card I'm trying to figure out how to replace right now is Preordain, because it's, it's, like, my one sorcery that I really want to be able to play as an instant using Snapcaster Mage at the end of my opponent's turn or just play at the end of my opponent's turn so I can hold up counterspells, that sort of thing. But what I think the blue-white control package comes down to is that you have, right now there are some very good answers in white, and we've already named some of them. We've got Swords to Plowshares as all-purpose creature removal and tinker answer. Uh, you have Rest in Peace, which hoses Goyf and Dredge. You have Stony Silence, which hurts workshops and other players' artifact mana. You have Stoneforge Mystic, which is a really good finisher as a tutor for a 4-4 lifelinking vigilance. And then you also have some sort of secondary cards and things like Balance, Avon Mind Sensor, uh, Ariok Salvagers, which we talked about earlier, and now Restoration Angel. I think that it's, to me, Rest in Peace was the card that completed the set. Because yeah. I feel I feel like at this point, White, Justin White, has answers to a lot of different strategies. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I totally agree. Rest in Peace is insane. I mean, when we were playing that Wizards deck, I mean, we yeah. were stone cold to dredge. And, also Tarmogoyf. <laughs> yeah, and Rest in Peace, like, totally sealed that whole thing up. Yep. It's just, it's just like white white answers everything, and and there are a lot of other colors. I mean, the other colors have specific things that they're good at. Like so, right. for black, you have really good graveyard hate, but you don't have insane. You have, um, you have no artifact hate at all, and no artifact hate. Whereas white gets that. With red, you have uh, good artifact hate, but you don't have any graveyard hate. Right. White has that. Yeah, I think white ends up doing a lot of things, and you combine that with the, you know, the general control available in blue, counter spells and balance, that sort of thing. And then you also have blue's draw spells that let you go find everything. So it's, you can, you can really put together a pretty solid deck out of that. Add to that that blue and white are sort of traditionally ally colors, so you have, yeah, they're friends. you have things like, like meddling mage that right. come in blue and white. They go really well, and they go in the in that control package and strengthen it. And I think that the uh, so like a you know the blue white decks that play trinket mage. Mm-hmm. I think trinket mage is great. I mean, it gives you so many options. It gives you so much more reach in dealing with specific situations. If you play a trinket mage package of like one top, one Tormod's crypt, uh, one engineered explosives, and one pithing needle. I mean, all yeah, those seem really good. Yeah, you're pretty much set to deal with anything at that point. I mean, you can either outdraw your opponent or answer a specific strategy, or you can put together a lot there. So let's talk about Bomberman. I think of all of us, Chapel, you had it together when you were home uh, home earlier, right? Yeah, my last trip to Ohio, when you and I met up, and we met up with Justin. Yeah. Uh, we were playing then, that's what I had together. 
it, it seemed awesome. I mean, there was one game where I mulled to five, and my <laughs> five cards were like turn one infinite mana chase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. That was yeah. pretty good. The Bomberman strategy, I think, is sometimes it's hard for especially newer players to grasp because they it gets explained to them as a combo deck. Like, okay, you try and find Ariok Salvagers and Black Lotus, and then you win the game because you can, you know, make infinite mana and draw your deck. But it's really, it's a control deck. It's a very strong control deck because you end up, oftentimes you do end up using Trinket Mage to get a Lotus, but then you use that to just overpower your opponent with control spells and attack for two with Trinket Mage. Yeah, I think that ultimately Bomberman is a control aggro primary, and every right. so often you can just be, hey, I, that's the head. Oh, I win. came up, I win. <laughs> Right. I mean, if you can if you can draw to like force, force, drain, 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 bluster, yeah. storm, mental misstep. I mean, if you have four power on the board, it doesn't even matter. Right. Yeah. That's and that's usually how the games with Bomberman end is that you have, you know, four or five power and you're you're just going to win regardless over the next few turns. And that's actually sort of what I when I built that uh, Restoration Angel Snapcaster deck. That's sort of what I was going for, except the only difference was that. Instead of having a four-drop Ariok Salvagers that I had to play at sorcery speed and that ended up with a combo win, like I can just play Restoration Angel at the end of my opponent's turn, and if I get the benefit of blinking a Snapcaster and reusing a Counterspell or Ancestral or whatever, yeah, that's good too. I'm totally sold on Restoration Angel. I think the card's awesome. I mean, it's not as awesome in Vintage, but I mean, the card itself is really good. Well, I think it, you know, it's under, it's a uh, undercosted. Anyway, I mean, a four-drop, three-four flyer with flash is is already pretty good, and then it's got right. the the potential ability, the potential blink ability. That's that's I, strong. I think I'm excited about Restoration Angel just because it enables absurd oh, yeah. card advantage plays, to which like can be absolutely devastating. And I, I really want to do that with a card that's totally off, <laughs> currently off the map. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it's. It's off the map in vintage, but it's totally on the map in standard, which is yeah. why it's still sixteen dollars yeah. and modern. Yeah, really. It's like, oh, hmm. <laughs> I should have picked a different card to bring into vintage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and it also buys you tempo, right? Because you can block and blink your creatures; they don't die. Right. I mean, it does a lot. Well, having a three-four instant speed blocker is pretty decent. I mean, like you can surprise surprise a lot of things as they come in. Sure. Right. And the, you know, the, the other thing is I'm playing Vendillion Clicks too, which Vendillion Click and Blinked with Snapcast, or, um, Restoration Angel is really good. Yeah, yeah Blue like, Duress? I'll Man, duress you not. twice. <laughs> <laughs> and I have six power in the air. <laughs> yeah. Then it, and it allows me, like, because, uh, Restoration Angel has so much colorless mana, like, I'm, it's, it's easy for me to play all the moxes and stuff so I can play Tinker and things like that. And, but it's ended up being a very solid control deck for me. So I'm, I'm eager to play it more. I wish I had more time to play more vintage right now. Have you gotten into Restoration Angel of Blightsteel Colossus to dodge an incoming swords to plowshares? No. That's a shame. Yeah, but perhaps I will. Actually, the, using Restoration Angel to save creatures from removal has not really come up for me yet. Hmm. Um, I have used it to, a, a lot of times I'm just playing it at end of turn to make a 3-4 flyer, and then, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm blinking a, a Vendillion click or a, a Snapcaster to get back, or, you know, to get some extra utility out of it, but it's not a, not a lifesaver at that point, it's just drawing extra cards or 
whatever. Yeah, I remember you saying before that when you sit down to play that deck, your basic goal from the start of the game is, I'm going to find Ancestral, and I'm going to cast it twice. Yeah, actually, and that's been... It's been a playable strategy so far, except that I really only have Mystical Tutor and Merchant Scroll to go find it. I mean, along with preordains and things that are digging for it, but being able to use Ancestral twice before your opponent can, or, you know, countering your opponent's Ancestral and then using it twice is, is pretty strong. And then I'm also looking to get extra use out of things like Time Walk, especially since I have, you know, three, four flyers of Flash, um, (laughs) like, you know, being able to time walk an extra time is, uh, is also really good. So yeah, just being able to get extra, maximize the, the uses of those cards is, is strong. So obviously all of that is actually with Snapcaster and not with Restoration Angel, but you know. Have you found you Jace to be discouraging at all because you have to tap out for him? Uh, not really. Usually I think in all of these decks you're, you're looking to play Jace at some point so that you can start out drawing your opponent. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his, his upside right. is definitely worth it. <laughs> right, yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you pretty well know when your opponent isn't going to be able to stop Jace because you either have more cards in hand, you know you have counters in your hand that can back up Jace, or your opponent is just out of cards. Or, I mean, Jace, Jace hasn't been hard to resolve, and the times that I've resolved him and he's been countered, or, sorry, the times that I've cast him and he's been countered, have been times where I've been looking to draw out a counter from my opponent anyway. So. <laughs> I think the so we're, we're talking about the you know the addition of white and why white has you know gotten a lot better and I mm-hmm. think Stoneforge is definitely way up there in the reasons too. I mean, it's yeah. awesome in the workshop matchup because you know getting two mana on turn one is not really that hard when you have all those moxes and if you right. can. Land a Stoneforge Mystic and get a Batter Skull into play without playing against uh, Mark Trogdon. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, it's it's funny because right before the show, Nat and I were talking about the list of creatures in all colors that cost one in that color, and he named Snapcaster, Dark Confidant, Tarmogoyf, and Stoneforge. Stone and I said, well, I don't really think the Stoneforge is among those. And he said, well, have you played it? And I'm like, no, I haven't. It's really good. Yeah, it's it's solid. <laughs> it it belongs in that list, I think. And um, you know, you really being able to, you know, play that creature, go find a batter skull, and then play batter skull for two mana at instant speed uncounterably. That's not hit by spheres. Yeah, whatever. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so yeah, I think Stoneforge makes a great finisher in these type of decks because you can like I said, you make a four four lifelink vigilance guy and and you're building your cushion either way. I mean, you're attacking, and if you take away half your opponent's life total, you've added that much to yours as well. So, mm-hmm. Right. And I think, you know, we're sort of overlooking the old standard here, the swords to plowshares. That's been amazing right now. There, there are a lot of creatures in Vintage. Yeah, I agree. That was really one of the primary reasons for me for switching to white. Uh-huh. Because... I found that if my opponent resolved a Tarmogoyf or against yeah. shops a Kaldatha Forge Master, I couldn't do anything about it. I mean, yeah. I had lightning bolts, but they're just not going to do the trick. <laughs> um, and sh- and lightning bolts will kill Jace, sure, but if you're packing enough creatures to take care of Jace, then those right. those swords to plowshares are really going to get a lot of mileage for you. Right. Being able to play Batter Skull or Restoration Angel at end of turn also takes care of Jace. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very um, true. 
So yeah, and I mean, swords obviously have been around for a long time, but I think they're really coming into into their own right now because because of all the creatures and because of the big creatures that burn can't take out. And then as far as you know, you have the the blue white control decks, and then you have blue white combo almost mm-hmm. with the the four rest in peace, and then the helm of obedience and oh King. yeah, yeah, you can even. You can skimp on either the the helm or the rest in peace and play uh, things like an enlightened tutor to go find them. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually kind of surprised that enlightened tutor isn't more heavily played in vintage right now because there are a lot of good things to pick up with it. Well, we could definitely play that. Yeah, we should play enlightened tutor. Well, this uh, the blue white <laughs> rest in peace list. Jordy yeah. Pastor. Yeah. You know he plays two He's enlightened two tutor. Mm-hmm. He's got two Helms of Obedience and four Rest in Peace along with two Enlightened Tutor, which, what else can he get with the Enlightened top. Tutor? He can get Top, which out of the board insane. he can get Graf Digger's Cage, and uh, I guess Graf Digger's Cage. Batter Skull. <laughs> I guess he can get Batter Skull. If you really need to. <laughs> well, even getting, I mean, if you're talking about Helm of Obedience, even getting Black Lotus is pretty good, because that puts you well on your way to casting it. Right. And having Black Lotus with Mana Drain is a strong play. That's one of the reasons that Bomber Mana is so good, again, because you can go get Black Lotus with Trinket Mage and then have Mana Drain back up for your next turn. Right. And hopefully your opponent casts a Sundering Titan. Yeah. I did get to drain a uh, a Blightsteel Colossus with my uh, Restoration <laughs> Angels the other day. <laughs> it, was, it was good. How much of that mana did you spend? Oh, I don't know, four or five, probably. He had a, he had a Sphere in play, so... <laughs> I would yeah, much rather you force spiked it. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked out. I, I was able to use some mana and I secured an already advantageous lead for myself, so. Sounds like it. Yeah. It seems like when you, when you drain a Blightsteel Colossus, you probably should be able to be well on the way to winning at that point. Right. You know, I think one of the, the questions I have about this combo is, you know, we're talking about blue-white control and then you can play blue-white land still, which obviously includes the standstills to hopefully lock your opponent out of the game. Do you guys think that blue-white land still using swords rather than blue-red land stills playing lightning bolts? Is that better or worse? You also get to add things like stony silence and rest As far as I'm concerned, better. For the reasons that I mentioned earlier, can't deal with anything with a bigger butt than three. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. I think that if you're talking about dealing with creatures, swords to plowshare seems way better than lightning bolt to me. Right. I mean, I think the the best part about Lightning Bolt is that it hits the opponent. <laughs> right. I mean, well, like, it depends on the deck. Like, in Rug, right. Lightning Bolt is insane. Right. Because you're already playing a tempo game, so, you know, it's Flip Delver, Attack with Tarmogoyf, you know, Bolt, Bolt. And yeah, that's like a time walk. <laughs> right. I think that in Landstill, your chances of having them low in a situation where you are not already having heavily secured victory, the chances right. are a lot less. Yeah. You're either you're either really winning or a long way from winning with Landstill. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. I had blue-white Landstill together for a while. I know um, I've had that. Actually, I think uh, Sam Crollo just put it together, too. And Stony Silence has been really good in that deck. I mean, really? There's a lot of, especially, well, okay, especially in Ohio, where you have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, um, a lot of vintage artifact decks. Stony Silence is pretty good. You really shut down... Uh, I mean, obviously, it, it doesn't make Koldotha Forge Master harmless, because it's still a 3-5, but you know, it, it does shut down things like Metal Worker, and it makes it so Forge Master doesn't go get something insane, so... 
still a lot of benefit to it. May, you know, null rod, the null rod effect has been playable in vintage for a long time. And I, right, well, land, land still, I guess it's worth mentioning that you're almost playing kind of a mana denial game yeah. as well. So, oh, yeah. you know, that's going to shut off the artifact mana, and then you can have, I'm sure you played Wastelands and Strip Mine. Sure thing. Sure. Um, I don't know if the deck plays Stifle, but you not, you might play Stifle. I may have had one or two in there, but uh, it wasn't, I don't think it was high on my list. I certainly wasn't playing it as a four. If I could play more of them, that's right. actually a pretty decent idea. Well, yeah, I, I know that, you know, we, you and I kind of really like Stifle. Stifle is one of my favorite cards. <laughs> I am less sold on Stifle. Yeah, I, I think you're an idiot. <laughs> I think you're an idiot. <laughs> I'm not quite sold on blue-white landstill being better than blue-red standstill, but I've definitely had some games where Stony Silence has been a deciding factor, and it's not something that I would splash for in blue-red landstill. So. Gitu Encampment is better than Forbidden Watchtower. So. Yeah, you got me there. First Strike is pretty good. Have you guys used First Strike recently? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that, that ability gets me every time. Agreed. <laughs> but you know, we're, I mean, we're talking about these cards. These are like the, the Swords, Rest in Peace, Stony Silence, Stoneforge Mystic. Those are all the, the really big cards. But then, you know, you still get to play things like Balance, and Mind Sensor, to Jeff mentioned earlier, Meddling Mage, Ariok Salvagers. There's a lot of white cards that are considerations and even Disenchant sees play now. I mean, it it yeah. is a little over cost for either destroying an artifact or an enchantment, but the right. fact that you can do both yeah, is, I, is awesome. I can't wait until they make Disenchant one mana. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, and it will be insane. Yeah, Man, I think that Wizards should totally like come up with a thing that people can vote on a card, <laughs> so we can make that happen. If only I could make the card. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I've had a lot of fun playing around with blue-white recently, and I, I realized the other day that I I have a bunch of vintage decks together, and none of them have black in them right now. <laughs> like, I'm not playing Dark Confidants, and I don't have any decks with Yawgmoth's Will in them, which hmm. might not be the best thing, but but I'm still having a good time and still winning games, so I'm mm-hmm. not concerned. Do we talk about how incredibly satisfying it is to cast Balance at the right time? Because oh, oh, that's real important. Ask Jerry Yang about balance. <laughs> I, I think there's so many people who have a really good and a really bad balance story. Yeah. I, I still like Jerry's the best, though. <laughs> Which one was that? That was the one where his opponent mulled down to four, four. cards, and <laughs> the four were Mox Sapphire, Mox Pearl, Balance, and Ancestral Recall. Ooh. So his first turn was Mox Mox Balance, and then his next turn was Ancestral, Ancestral. after Jerry went land go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I was I was playing Bomberman once. I think this was a post-board game, and my opponent was totally dominating me. He had, I think he had two bobs and had just tinkered for Inkwell Leviathan. Oh. So I was like, alright, I'm about to lose this game. Top deck, oh hi! <laughs> so, I, so I cast balance, he's like, oh. <laughs> Wipes his board, I think I four or five for one dim. <laughs> and that was great. And I know that I've, I've also have been on the other end of the balance where playing, especially against five color stacks back in the day where I know I had one tournament where my opponent played balance against me in games two and three when I was playing fish. 
and and just cleared my board, and that was the end of the game for me. So. It's one of those cards where I think that in a lot of cases, because of the lack of big board clearing effects, mm-hmm. people have forgotten how to play conservatively. Yeah, and they they often end up uh, over committing, overreaching. Yeah, and there's a lot of times where you have one extra creature in play that you could have in your hand. And, right. You know. Balance is what's there for punishing that. Yep. I guess another another thing going back to the blue-white is uh, a lot of the blue-white decks play a ton of basic lands. Uh-huh. Which I, I love playing basic lands. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of respect for Wasteland. Yeah, I think playing in Ohio really gives you a lot of respect for Wastelands. Like, you, you learn pretty quickly that your first... Your first fetch land doesn't go get underground sea or tropical island. Your first wasteland go get your basic island, mm-hmm. and then you can you can get the next one later. But uh, right. So so what what basic island do you get? You mean like what the? What yeah. What, what's your is? island of choice? This is very uh, this is very important for eternal magic. It's true. It's it's very important in vintage. I have I think three or four signed. Um, Mark Pool Islands that I usually go and get if I have them. The Are other they beta, alpha. <laughs> no, no, they're white bordered. But, Are um, they all the same art? I think so. Oh man, you're killing me. <laughs> I, what? They should be the same art. They should. Yeah. I, I yeah. think he's saying that you should be certain of your islands. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty sure they're the same art because I, I I think they just got sent off in a stack and came back. So, Jeff, um, what what island do you get? I have unhinged islands, but I was actually thinking about Ooh. switching to Portal Three Kingdoms islands. Ooh! Oh, there you go. Did you have a specific art that you like? No, but I honestly I like all of the Portal Three Kingdoms arts, <laughs> and I I don't know. I've been staring at the unhinged lands for a while, and I just feel like I need a change. Yeah. I also have some Portal Three Kingdoms islands. I have a couple of signed Urza Saga islands. I like the Urza Saga's islands. Those yeah, are a good I. Choice. It depends on on the decks that I have together what I uh, what I pull out. If I need a lot of islands, I have those Mark Pool islands because I think I have four of them. So those are the ones I go get. If I only need like two, then I use my Rosa Sock islands, and I do have a Beta island too. So woohoo! And Chapel, your islands of choice? Or I really prefer the uh, APAC Red Hong Kong islands. Oh, is that the one with the boat on it? It is the one with the boat on it. Yeah, your island's got junk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite island. I think I have like nine or ten of them, so I can. No kidding. That's play into pretty much whatever. Wow. Yeah, way to go! I have uh, I've, I've always liked that uh, White Cliffs of Dover Island, the uh, the Euroland, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't have them myself. It's really cool that they they do like actual places. Uh, I get made fun of for my uh, planes a lot, the Sunflower Plains, but I think that planes is awesome. Is it was that one Holland or something? Uh, I think it's like the Netherlands, maybe. I'm not sure. Those are the same. Thing. Well, I don't, <laughs> they are not the same thing. But uh, yeah. I think okay. plains and swamps are the worst. I don't actually think that I have a favorite plains or swamp. I have. Uh, I always my my preference for lands is lands that have something else on them. Yeah. Um. So I like I have the swamp. I think it's also from Urza's Saga. That's got a like a crumbling windmill on it. Oh. And that one's pretty cool. And I like. There's. I think there's a. An island from Lorwyn that's got a bridge on it. It's pretty cool. I like something else to be going on in my my landscape. <laughs> I, I, I'm a fan of the of the Ice Age plains, but mm-hmm. just the just the style of them. But I think the snow covered plains is my favorite of that cycle. Sure. Is that the one with the butterfly? 
I doubt that the snow-covered one has the butterfly. You know, I, I own zero snow-covered lands. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't own a single one. Jeff, cut him off the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of snow-covered lands, but I don't think I've ever actually played a snow-covered land and used the fact that it's snow-covered. <laughs> well, like, the, the only way I could see it, and I didn't really play a ton of vintage when... Gifts was a deck, but that I think oh, is yeah. the only reason that I can imagine playing a snow covered land. Sure. Yeah, that's sure. That's pretty much it. And you really you didn't play it because it was snow covered. It was just because you had the one possibility that you might go get it with with your right, gifts. Right, right, right. Sure. So I, I think snow covered island and island. Right. <laughs> right. I think I've seen that play done two or three times and done that play zero times. And all of them were in a dream. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> this this is not an actual consideration, I don't think. But I'm sure it came up. I, I think, so, man, I think land artwork is great. I, yeah, lands are, are definitely my favorite uh, favorite thing to put into a deck. I spend a lot uh, of time going through what I'm putting on. The mountains from Zendikar with the uh, the tents uh-huh. like, strapped to the mountainside, that yeah. mountain is awesome. Yeah, there's, a, there's one from, I think it's Portal Second Age that's got like a big dwarven mine carved into the side of it, and I like that one. I think in general, like, <laughs> I, I, land art is really cool, I agree. And sometimes I feel like you look at some of the new arts and it almost feels like squandered possibilities. Uh-huh. Like, now that we've recognized that people are really passionate about what land arts they use, right. um, no more boring land arts. Do something yeah. interesting. Well, I thought uh, it was cool in the, in, uh, Innistrad and I think Abyssin Restored, I'm not really sure, but like, the Innistrad land artwork was like a scene that was really dark, and then Everson Restored had like the same scenes, but that were light. Oh, yeah, cool. they did did a similar thing in Lorwyn and uh, Shadowmar. Yeah, I mean that's a cool idea. Yeah, also, and I I actually really like the Ravnica art, both Return to Ravnica and original Ravnica, where they had the cityscapes because they're full like, of stuff, and you love yeah stuff. with the buildings rather than the the actual <laughs> you know like this is a flat area, it's a plane. So <laughs> I, I thought I always liked those a lot. And talking about Zendikar, too, why haven't we gotten to the point where all lands are full art? Because then it wouldn't be special for them to be in Zendikar. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it, right? So, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I want a full text land. <laughs> <laughs> just one big mana symbol in the middle? Yeah, it's just yes. a, a big drop. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that called a Mox Pearl proxy? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Man, we have gotten so far away from blue-white <laughs> control. So anybody, or anyway, uh, go ahead and play uh, Blue White Control. It's pretty good. You can yeah. go get islands and planes. And make I sure. mean, it very rarely is casting Snapcaster not fun. Right. <laughs> Especially when you cast it off of two basic lands. Yep. Which you should yep. have fetched first. Yep. I agree. So, uh, now that Josh Chappell is back, we can also uh, talk about gin again. I am drinking gin right now. I already finished a glass. <laughs> I finished one glass. And I have the bottle on my desk, though. <laughs> so, so, you said you've been drinking some pretty uh, pretty unique stuff, Chappell? Yeah, I, uh, so someone posted on Twitter about, you know, they wanted to hear more about gin, which I will never complain about. <laughs> um, and I know that Jayco is a fan of the cocktails as well. So he recommended that I pick up a bottle of uh, Ransom Old Town Gin. Okay. And it's kind of like a aged gin. It's got some color to it. It's not as clear. 
Um, the Ransom Gin actually is a collaboration between some cocktail makers and an author. David Wondrich wrote some books about old-fashioned cocktails. Mm-hmm. So I just drank a Martinez, which is like a, very similar to a Manhattan. So it's two parts Old Tom Gin, one part sweet vermouth, and a dash of orange bitters, and a garnish of uh, lime. Or that of sounds, uh, orange. That sounds all right. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. So just, you know, cut a piece of the orange rind, you know, away from, like, the white pith, just so you can get the rind. And it's easy to make, so... So you can make a lot of them before you pass out. (laughs) That's true. I mean, you could also, you know, when I was in Ohio, uh, I met up with Gustin, who Uh is a Team Serious Magic player, and we met up at a mutual friend's house, and Gustin had a large, sealable travel mug from, like, (laughs) Speedway or something, and it was full of... An entire lime cut into slices and gin and tonic water. Oh, gee. So he made like a 40-something ounce gin and tonic. (laughs) You could totally do that with the martinez. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How how long does it take to get through that? Uh, Maybe two hours. Yeah, that's that's not that much. You could probably also bring that into magic tournaments. I would definitely recommend it as long as you do not post on the internet about it. Yeah, don't don't talk about drinking because Star City Games will yell at you. It's uh, not a legitimate sideboard. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> uh, the the drink I had was uh, with using the watershed gin, which I think we've talked about before. That's the uh, that's the local. stuff from it's from Ohio, right? Yeah, it's local to Columbus. I actually I'd like to get down to their um, distillery at some point. So when I was in Ohio, before I met up with you, um, Tuan and I went to the Clifton mm-hmm. and had some drinks, and I had a watershed martini there, and I thought the gin was really good. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really, it's it's interesting. It's a lot more, um, it has a lot more flavor to it in the, you know, herbal juniper berry sense than even some of the higher-end gins that you'd normally find, like a Tangeray or something. I guess Tangeray is not really high-end, but, you know, <laughs> middle-of-the-road stuff. It's okay, um, I won't call you on it, Nat. That's all right. Chapel might. <laughs> anyway, it's uh I, I think it's pretty good and I I'm it's it's interesting to experiment with for me because it's it does have such a unique and stronger taste than most gin, so it's not necessarily good with straight like just lime juice or something like that. So I understand that you also recently were a good husband and took your wife out to dinner? Actually, she took me out to dinner. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, she she recently got a job at her favorite knitting store, and we actually discovered this deal online and decided that we'd go try it out because we like trying out different restaurants. And even though, I guess technically most of the money <laughs> that comes into our household is from me, this one was on her. <laughs> so um, so we went to uh, Trattoria Roma, which is in Grandview area of Columbus. It was a nice, fairly small Italian restaurant, and they they had some pretty interesting stuff there. Um, let me see if I can find the. You were discussing the menu in the chat, right? Because you yeah. and you and Jerry were were pondering over what the strongest play on the menu was. Right, and it, it, actually, they what they had this was for the Dine Originals Columbus, which is a sort of a activity that the Columbus restaurants put on where they have different deals and try and get people to come into the local Columbus restaurants rather than going to, you know, Applebee's or Olive Garden or whatever. So this one, they had uh, 
price-fixed menu that had $25 for three courses where you got an uh, appetizer, a main dish, and a dessert. So Elizabeth and I both decided that we would get, we would each get three different things and that way we'd be, we'd be able to sample all of them. Mm-hmm. So we started off with a Italian scotch egg. Uh, and a scotch egg is usually a boiled egg that's then wrapped in a meat and deep fried. <laughs> and then her appetizer was a bowl of fonduta, which is like cheese soup. And they were they were both really good. The uh, the scotch egg was presented very well as it was cut in half, and you know you had the the different layers of the the breadcrumbs and the sausage, and then the egg, which obviously had the two layers of the white and the yolk, and then it had three different sauces that you could try with it. And um, the the fondue it was actually better than I expected. It was uh it definitely tasted like real cheese rather than a uh, you know like canned soup. Hmm. So. Uh, I was pretty pleased with that, and the uh, the scotch egg was good. I think it was probably the egg itself was probably a little bit overcooked, as it was thoroughly boiled rather than being um, a little bit soft in the middle. Is and that is that a tradition? The traditional way that a scotch I, egg would be is yeah. I think the right way to cook the the scotch egg would be to have a a runny center. I mean, mm-hmm. not not totally runny, but something that would be. Yeah, a little runny. I really um, enjoy wet eggs. Egg yolk is so good. Really. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely the right way to have eggs. But the so the egg also had um it, it came with a mustard sauce, a sort of like a creamy herb sauce, and then a pepper cheese sauce, probably like a pepperdue or something. And it that actually all of the the sauces complemented things pretty well. The the, um, the sausage part of the egg was <laughs> very good with the mustard. But yeah, I was I was impressed with those, and then uh, the the main dishes we got. I had a lamb pasta, so it had pasta and lamb, and then a tomato cream sauce, and also had some butternut squash and some other stuff in it, which was good. It was uh, sort of sweet and had a little bit of the you know classic Italian garlic flavor and tomato, and the lamb was nicely roasted, so everything came out well there. Um, Elizabeth had a duck breast stuffed with figs and pistachios. And I think both of us were a little bit disappointed with that. The stuffing ended up being pretty bitter, and neither of us really knew why. That's too bad, because if there's there's duck on a menu, especially stuffed with figs and pistachios, there's no way I'm not ordering it. Yeah, no, it, it sounded really good, and we were... Like I said, she was pretty disappointed with that. The duck itself was delicious. The, the right. duck meat was good, but the, the filling was pretty disappointing. It just wasn't, you really had to temper it with other things on the plate. But That seems really strange that that would end up bitter. Yeah, I don't know why, because, I mean, it's not like the figs and the pistachios would necessarily make something bitter. Right. So, uh, I mean, it was still still edible, obviously. We ate the the duck and the, the, the filling and... It was good, but uh, but not great. I think, like I said, we were a little bit disappointed. But overall, a good experience. Right. And then for dessert, we had um, I had uh, mint chocolate chip cannoli, and I'm a pretty big cannoli fan, although I don't really eat it all that often, so I wouldn't say I'm a connoisseur. I just enjoy the stuff. Elizabeth got the it was the autobomba Irlandese, which is the Irish car bomb in the <laughs> Italian style. <laughs> Which means that it was a, it, essentially it was a chocolate pudding flavored with Guinness, and then there were Jameson soaked cherries with it. Hmm. 
Uh, that sounds good. Yeah, it was insane. It was it was basically <laughs> like a, it was like a chocolate mousse. The the pudding was really rich, very chocolatey, and then the the cherries were sort of a nice respite from that, as far as being sweet. And you couldn't really taste the alcohol in it. I mean, there was supposed to be Guinness and Jameson and Bailey's, in it, and you couldn't really taste those individually, but it was still very rich and very chocolatey and, and quite good. And the mint chocolate chip cannolis were also surprisingly good. I was worried that the, the mint was going to be a little bit overpowering, but it ended up being pretty subtle and it wasn't it wasn't too weird. And actually the cannoli, cells, cannoli shells were um, nicely flavored. They weren't uh, waxy or doughy as they sometimes are. Sounds delicious. Yeah, they were real good. So those were... We we spent uh, twenty five dollars on each of those meals. That's not bad at all, actually. No, it wasn't bad. We did pretty well. Would go again? I'd go again. You know, I know we primarily pretend that we talk about Magic the Gathering, so I guess <laughs> people comment on what we say about Magic usually. But if you live anywhere and you have an awesome restaurant or yeah. bar to recommend, go ahead and do that too, because we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, in fact, this is a good time to mention that this is the first podcast where you can send your feedback directly to our new email address at SeriousVintagePodcast at gmail.com. So you can hit us up directly there if you want to talk to all three of us. Of course, you can also hit us up individually on Twitter as well. Yep. Yeah, and we're also going to start putting these on uh, MTGcast. So thanks to the guys over there for helping us out with that. We'll start. We'll continue putting them on Eternal Central as well, and we also appreciate Jaco and the guys over there for letting us do that. I think this is as good of a time as, as any, because I've meant to do this for a while now. But I would like to thank War for providing an excellent <laughs> soundtrack for the podcast, because uh, I really think that... They provide just the right tone that we were looking for. I know after we recorded the first episode, Nat and I were, uh, we were not quite certain what we were going to do for a soundtrack. And, well, Nat, you can tell the story on how this happened. Uh, <laughs> there was a story? I don't remember the story. Well, it was just well, like, okay, I have these fine. greatest hits of war on CD. Yeah, the story was that, was that we didn't, we didn't have anything, and Nat sat down and was watching King of the Hill with his wife, and oh, right. Why Can't We Be Friends was on for I don't know why, and he was just like, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's right. Yeah. And so that beca- became our intro theme, and everything else just sort of fell into place. Right. Everything was just right. So I guess that's true. So I, I guess this is a is a probably not not a good time. To tell you about all the cease and desist letters I've been getting from MGM and United <laughs> Artists that I've been throwing away. No, this would not be the right time to bring those up. But just, uh, just keep throwing those away. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks to War for being awesome and ignoring the fact that we're ignoring all those cease and desist letters. Right. <laughs> It's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Josh Chapel. And we hope you'll join us next time for more Serious Vintage. Take a little trip, take a little trip, take a little trip and see.
Paul Mastriano specifically requested some cool <laughs> sounds for when we swear. <laughs> <laughs>